Welcome back to the Sean Boycast. I know it's been a while. Haven't heard my pretty vocals in quite a while. I know, I'm sad about it too. But uh, I had stuff to attend to. Emergencies, non-emergencies. It's been fun here lately. But... Next week, uh, I have some exciting things coming up. Next week, I'll have my brother from another mother, uh, Josh Pointer, on the podcast as a guest. And we're going to be talking about the recent things with Bob Lazar, the UFO guy from the 80s. I always thought to myself, if anybody's telling the truth about aliens and that kind of crap, that guy would be. And what's amazing is there's a new documentary that's came out called, uh, um, I think it's by, I can't remember the guy that's a director, but like it's called UFO, uh, Bob Lazard, UFO, uh, UFOs and Flying Saucers just came out. And Bob Lazar said a lot of things back in the day that didn't make any sense in the 80s now that he said it and a lot of it's coming true matter of fact every bit of it's coming true there there hasn't been one lie he's been caught in you know the new technologies and the new things they're discovering today he said back in the 80s on how this technology worked and what it was but i'll get into that with my brother (laughs) Uh, with old josh there he's uh he gets into this kind of stuff and I usually stay away from like UFOs and all this stuff but uh, I love talking to him about that kind of stuff <laughs> um, but again you know, I just want to say I'm sorry it took so long to put out another one hang in there with me this one's going to be great and on this week's my personal take I kind of I've entitled it the whole of mankind and that's a this is Sean's first open thought improv talk to you guys on that level and I did about 33 minutes I think of kind of talking about truth and individuality and responsibility going over some basic things that that I believe is important to being a human being so just kind of getting back into it kind of podcast and then I go into Sean's live and local sessions and I've gotten got an interesting thing I did here Uh, I took a classical guitar took off the A string and it's only got five strings on it And the reason I did this is whenever you strum a classical guitar, it gets muddy really quick because they're nylon strings and they vibrate together and they sustain a long time. So I just removed the A string and I've always liked the dad gad tuning, but instead of dad gad, I just tuned down the top string, which is an E string to a D. And then the last or the first string, uh, the high E string, I tune it down to a D and I leave the B string right there where it is a B and I play in this certain kind of tuning on uh, 
first song I play is a cover by Bob Dylan, Let Me Die in My Footsteps, and then five other original songs, which I haven't, I haven't titled on the actual tracks there, if you're looking at the display or anything, hopefully you're not driving, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I go over five songs that I've played in that special tuning with that special setup on a guitar, so kind of wanted to see what it was like to just work with five strings and omit one of the heavy bass strings and that way I still got the bass in it but uh, very limited in terms of what you can fret where but uh, nevertheless I thought it was interesting so it's just me and an acoustic and singing so hope you enjoy that but then of course we'll go on to a conclusion but before all that, here's my little story of how I met a friend I work with by the name of Tony. Welcome to another lovely joke section. Today, I'm going over guy that I work with on a regular basis. He is quite a unique person. He's he's a little different than the rest of us. That doesn't mean he's any less important. So I would like to share with you how I met Tony. I met him at work, Tony the Finger. He pulls up in his pickup truck. His bumper is missing much like complete sentences when he talks. Um, with a shit-eating grin, Tony gives me, you guessed it, the finger. Not just any old bird is just flipping. No, Tony half-staffs his middle finger, much like an old lady slumped over. His finger has no power. In the middle of all the customers, he's just letting it fly freely. Tony lets his Roman archway fly. No mind to all the excitement. In the middle of all this, I was like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> and, uh, with customers going zins and goings out, Tony pulls up and says, Hey, are you Sean? <laughs> and he's like halfway laughing and stuttering and laughing. It's, it's truly amazing. I mean, I'm going to have to get him at least talking once on the podcaster just so you guys can get the full brunt of what I deal with on a daily basis, which I am not sad about in one way or at all. I mean, Tony's great. But, you know, here I am, and we're both delivering a pizza to the same place, this factory. I pull up. I attend to my customer. She is in fact happy and then leaves no damn tip, but whatever. I don't expect you to give me your money. But anyway, so there here comes here comes this loud, obnoxious truck <laughs> with mirrors jingling <laughs> like they're barely hanging on for life. <laughs> and this kid with a ball cap is hanging his head 
firmly halfway out of the window and he go and he's pointing at me <laughs> and driving with the other hand. <laughs> and he's pointing at me, he's like, Hey, are you Sean? I heard of you, motherfucker. I heard of you. Heard a lot about you, motherfucker. Yeah, I see you got a sign on your car. There's 30 people walking around this factory and all of them are like in disbelief as Tony is flipping me off as he's pulling in to tend to his customer. And uh, I quickly get out of there thinking to myself, what the fuck just happened? I get back to the place where I work as soon as I walk in, the manager's like, well, have you met Tony? <laughs> I was like, I think so. I think that was him that I met at the factory we just delivered to. He goes, oh yeah, there's another one out there. He goes, well, how was it? I was like, well, he gave me the finger and flipped me off. <laughs> and the manager's like, yeah, he's a little different than the rest of us. We'll just have to get used to it. Oh, uh, Tony, if you listen to this, I love you, Betty. All right. For this week's My Personal Take, I've entitled For the Whole of Mankind. Just to give some credits to some of the main people that I've derived some of this recent material from that I've known about for years, but never really wrote down or articulated any. Um, this is kind of a new thing for my personal take here. Uh, I'm going to kind of go off the top of my head of what I know and what I've learned and retained. And uh, for the whole of mankind, this is going to be a little talk about um, individuality, I think that's mainly a lie, or it's not even a real thing. We're going to go over some truth, some actuality, what the word path means, and also the art of real listening, communication. Also going to go over responsibility, how to respond adequately, and uh, yeah, we're going to go into it a little bit. I'll a couple of people to keep in mind that I've gotten some of this material from and also uh, in other places that I can't, you know, there's no way I can remember exactly <laughs> where I read everything, which I've read a lot of different stuff and listened to a lot of different audiobooks too. And one is by J. Krishnamarti. I don't think he really called himself any kind of guru or anything like that. But linguistically, he is an amazing speaker. And a lot of the things I'm going to go over here is contributed to him. And also a little bit of a Eastern mystic out of India by the name of Singuru. And uh, I really like some of the things he's saying in present time. Where we're, where we're at today 
you know, he's kind of like a guru that talks in terms of, of what's going on today. So I really, if anybody's into the Eastern traditions and how they go about things, you can def would definitely start listening to some guru. And <laughs> you'll definitely hear it come up in his speeches and stuff. And, uh, so far, I haven't been able to find one thing that he was wrong about. And that goes for Krishnamurti, too. Of course, I'm <laughs> not anywhere at the level those guys are at. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's just some of the credits of the people I give uh, props to for the information I'm about to talk about. The reason I named this for the whole of mankind is because that's a... It's a powerful statement, a very broad way of saying nobody's separate, really. Nobody's really any different than anybody else on this planet. If you're a human, my thoughts are your thoughts. You know, my problems are your problems. You know, like it or not, we have a symbiosis somewhat with the earth and each other on different levels that I think some are provable and then some are just not provable because we have no idea how to detect those signals in a very, I don't think the technological way is the way to get there. Um, so we have this symbiosis with the earth and have like-minded things that happen to even across continents and globes you know the reasons I say for the whole of mankind is because it's really all about everyone on the planet I mean really it's that I mean there's a conflict a conflict within men or within man um, and the conflict is the same everywhere you know there's things going on in Russia, there's things going on in Korea, North Korea, there's things going on in Iran, all these different places. And I guarantee you that my conflict here where I'm at is very similar to somebody else's con conflict in another country where I don't even know the language or even the culture or anything but there's that same problem I'm having that somebody else is thinking about in a totally different language or whatever so we're all universally the same in the way we approach being a human because we all have the same traits genes everything it's like you're given a body with certain things you got your five senses and you know beyond your five senses that's all you know it's like you'll use all your five senses to gather your world put it in memory and then you live off your memory and that's who you are and that's also called an ego so when you have an ego it means that all your impulses and all your thoughts and everything, your memory bank, all your memories, 
that's your soul ship. That's your soul person. It's going to carry you to the next one, you know, to the next plateau or whatever, to your next white tulip. <laughs> you know, like, that's what you're banking on. Your ego. I want or I think I need or all these different people that you think about in your head or you actively act like different things that you've seen or been influenced by. And then you think to yourself, you're like, well, I'm not really that person. I shouldn't have done that or whatever. That is all ego driven because when you have to use your memory of what was told to you before, taught to you before, instructed to you on how to live and what you're supposed to do in the world, when that was taught to you, that is not the full truth. That's not how life works. You are a piece of life. And this thing about individuality, and the reason I say it's a lie, is because all our <laughs> all our problems are symbiosis related. You know, you might not think a tree's important, but if you cut down every fucking tree on the planet, nobody's got air, carbon dioxide chokes us all out and we all die. Bye bye human race. So the tree should be pretty fucking sacred. <laughs> Because it's actually an extension of our lungs. And so is the air. And so is all that cycle and exchange of symbiosis there. You know, you damage a tree and fuck up a limb or two. No problem. That whole tree will just keep growing. Those limbs will die off. Soon new limbs will pop out if that's possible in that species. And then uh, it'll grow and keep growing. It'll, you'll see, st still see a scar. But you'll keep living, you'll keep going, you'll continue your journey, just as a human does when they lose a loved one close to them. You know, it leaves a deep scar, it leaves a hole, but you still keep growing because you're a piece of life. Not because you're a man, a woman, or anything. It's because you're a piece of life. You were given the gift of a body that you acquired and borrowed from the planet, which one day you'll return, you'll repay the debt. And then all your language and stuff and everything, your senses, all that's gone. And then all that's left is what they call the ghost around this shell called a body. And that's what I think about what we are and what's really going on here. Like your ego you know, to move through life and do everything correctly and worry about bills and money, which we can't even hardly get into that because, like, <laughs> is money the answer to your overall satisfaction of life? If money is your overall satisfaction in life, you've missed some very important things. And I believe that 100%, you know, Money's only valuable whenever you get things for it. The person left with the money, what do they really have? But I got to go get more value out of this. So really, it really is a great exchange for the person buying something. 
because you get all that stuff <laughs> and you're left with just paper. I got that from Norm MacDonald. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the whole thing with individuality. It's like, if I took a baby and dropped them off in 19, say, 15 or 18 or something like that, and let that person grow up, and let's say they're from Milwaukee or whatever, <laughs> or some place in the States, but they still look German enough, you know? You drop them off there. There's a good chance that kid, you know, junior, you know, whenever you married your high school sweetheart and you guys had your white picket fence house, yeah, the baby got stolen. And he was actually come to grow up to be one of the guys throwing the bodies in Auschwitz and turning on the ovens. You know, a lot of people sit here and say, I could never do that. I would never do that. Yes, you would do that. There's there's millions of different ways to get you to do the same thing. You know, there's people that believe in some ridiculous shit. You know, it's not hard to get you to do what you think you can't do or won't do. Now, there are some people that will consciously object but I believe with a no coercion, whatever, you know, <laughs> you could get anybody to do just about anything that's been recorded in history. And if you look through the history and you look through all the different things that happened, don't even take like the little literal history that they written, but that they wrote. But like, look at the stories that underline the decision process. Like whenever you look at decisions being made, like wholeheartedly this decision was made because the public went along with it and that's better for the public. So yeah, we're going to go take her head off and uh, display it on a pike up there. Nope, no big deal. So you have that. And all this stuff is conflict within man. And we all share the conflict together, whether you like it or not. You may have not even heard of something or even known it was true. But if it happened, there's going to be other people that saw that. It's going to spread eventually. And it may not get to you, but it'll get to your children's children. One day, you'll hear about it. Because, you know, they call it the information age. And uh, people are getting the information. So that's a little bit on individuality and why I think it's a big lie. Like, I am, I am a skateboarder. No, you're a kid on some wheels that are attached to a board and you mimic tricks that your buddies do. Yeah, you're a skateboarder. Okay. So much more than that. Like, people have all these different identities they attach themselves onto. And they think, oh, that's me. I'm that identity. But enough about individuality here. We're going to move on to something. First, we're going to go over truth. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the path is and what is actuality. Now, truth has no words attached to it. 
I'll let that sink in. Truth has no words. There's no way to grab onto the truth. The truth is just what is. So, you know, like, <laughs> um, it, ha it doesn't have a path. Like, uh, let's say, I trip and fall on a sidewalk there because I trip over something. And I fall and crack my head and I start bleeding a little bit. Now, this would prompt me to evaluate why I fell and why this happened to me. Immediately. And it's like, oh, I wasn't watching where I was going or whatever. That's probably number one why I fell. But you cannot latch on to the full truth because I can have everybody tell me the effects of what gravity is doing, but there has been no one thus far tell anyone what gravity really is. I can say I fell because of the mass of the earth and I fell to the thing and it broke my head or whatever, but I there's still no explanation for where this force of gravity come from. What is it? Can you even detect, you know, they detected gravitational waves or whatever. It's like, and that's one thing, but <laughs> the origins of gravity, good luck, <laughs> you know, and that's a little thing about truth is like, you can't grab onto it and there's, there's no words attached to it. So the truth is just what is and what really is true. So you have to kind of remember that. Now, when people bring up the word, the, the path or, or a good path or, or uh, you got to remember the path is a gradual way. It's a gradual path. It's not something quickly done. Like, And then you have the word actuality. Can you actually look at something and listen to it totally with no bias, no, uh, no religious, governmental, no political, none of that attached to it. You have to totally look at the problem. And this leads us into, you know, that's, that's a little bit about the truth too, is the actuality of the truth. And that leads us into the art of real listening, communication. And a communication, especially between two people, is pretty important. And it's not the type of communication to where both of them are alert and they bring their stigma to the table and he brings his stigma to the table and then they argue or fight over it. Actually listen to the actual problem. Like, there's a reason to get together and communicate. There's something happening. The issue has to be what is in complete focus for both people involved or the group involved. Nobody can have preconceived notions coming to the table. You have to look at the issue for what is truth, not what somebody said or what you think it might be. What is the actuality of the issue?
<laughs> you know, this is a real shared space. You're observing it together. The world deserves, at its issues, the world deserves its issues in focus. So, if we're going to leave the world a little bit better than we found it when we came up here, then certain efforts are needed. But like starting an organization or, or a fund or something like that, it has its limitations. I think people need to change the way they perceive and think about things, especially thought. Thoughts ridiculous. <laughs> like your thoughts are the most dangerous things on the planet. <laughs> and, you know, a little side note to things you don't know about or you can't figure out or you're just too lazy to find out. I'll just say, I don't know is the biggest possibility. This is something I heard some guru say out of India, which is a mystic, a guru. Um, he said, I don't know is the biggest possibility. And I thought about that, about everything. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know shit. <laughs> like, if, it, if you think about a whole, like one little sentence or something, a question, and you go, I don't know to everything in that question, and you find out all the answers, there's an epiphany that goes off, and you're like, whoa. That's what the kind of shared relation, observing together, complete focus on an issue that you're talking about. Like, that's the kind of listening that people need to start doing. Like, if you're going to communicate, you have to listen before you speak. You have to understand the issue that both parties are coming to, and they both parties have to be unbiased on both sides. Or it's not a fair discussion for the issue at hand so there's a little bit on the art of listening and communication now i know it's been 20 minutes already but that time about halfway done i think um well no more than halfway done we probably got another five minutes or so um now we get into something that i call responsibility what is the responsibility for the whole of mankind how to respond adequately in terms of the problem you know the fact demands you look at it you observe and listen to it the fact is the answer so it goes back to that truth thing you know the responsibility of man I would think is to leave the world a little better than what we found it. Like, we can't have minuses to put on our children because it's just going to be more pluses they have to do. You know, always thinking, I always thought of this. I don't know why anybody doesn't, anybody else doesn't think this way. I've thought of this question a lot. Like, why? is it that hardly nobody cares about 
anything out of their own lifespan. Like, let's say in 2250, we know that an asteroid is coming toward Earth and it is directly in the center of our Earth and it's going to screw the world up and kill all humans. 2020-50. Let's say that's happening. Let's say that's true. Okay. Do you think the government, people, your friends and neighbors, any of them would really give a shit? I think people would be like, it's so far away or whatever, we don't have to deal with it. But, you know, you start adding up the years, I mean, it's probably less than 10 generations away. So, you know, it's like people always think in their own lifespan that that's, this is all that's important. And it is important. All of it is important. It's very hard to get along in the chaotic world of, you got to have a job, you got to wake up, you got to feed kids, you got to do all this. There's barely enough time to even think about what you're supposed to do as a human being for the rest of the world. But there are some things you can do. And the biggest thing you can do is fucking start with yourself. <laughs> Worry about this crazy chemical suit and think to yourself, what is this and what the fuck's going on with it? Because let me tell you, I have met some people in my time that really need to go inward. And they need to go inward fast and never come out until they find the light. <laughs> so, under responsibility, I have this thing kind of like, I have a question like, what would you do for Mother Earth or, you know, your homeland, what would you do for your native land? Money was no object. You didn't have to have money. And, uh, you had all the help you needed to do it. Now, you could do anything for the world. Money's no object. It would be millions and trillions of dollars. So, you could, but the only catch is it, you have to do it within your lifetime. We'll say we'll give you 40 years. You have to do it in 40 years, but none of it happens until 200 years after your death. Now, if you think about that question, it's like, what would you really do for the earth or for mankind 200 years after your death, what would you want to leave? And I could simply say, well, think about your family lineage 200 years from now. Wouldn't you want them to have a safe, nice environment? You know, I'm not trying to bring up global warming or any of that shit. I'm just saying psychologically within yourself, we need to be better people. <laughs> you know, and one thing you can do to really get a handle on just how chaotic and crazy you really fucking are. Because if I'm chaotic and crazy, I know the rest of the world's batshit nuts. <laughs> you know, I'm a very, you know, just a, 
give you a little insight to old Sean boy here. I'm a very uh, open kind of uh, sort of introvert, but I have learned to extrovert most of my introvert shit. <laughs> like, I, I'm no longer afraid to speak really what's going on at the forefront of my mind and what I've been learning. I don't really give a shit what people think. So, with that, the responsibility, one thing you can do is make yourself an observer. And this is a certain type of meditation from the East, India, I think. God, I don't even know. But, uh, <laughs> um, what you do is you set this guy aside in your head and you call him the observer. And all the observer does, this is his only job, this is the only thing he does. He observes thoughts. That's it. He observes your thoughts. And here's how the meditation works. It's about 15 minutes you can do it for. But it, it'll let you know just how fucking crazy you really are after the 15 minutes. You'll see what I mean if you do it. Here's what you do. You make yourself the observer. And all he does is observe and notice. That's it. He's aware. That's his only job. And you sit there and do your 15 minutes, maybe stop a stopwatch or something. But hopefully just sit there with your eyes closed. And what you do is you, are, you don't think of anything. You're trying to shut down your memory. You're trying to shut down your thought processes. You're not trying to think about anything. You know, my hand's touching my leg. You're not trying to think about that. You're not trying to do any of that. And you need to do this whenever you can quiet your mind down the most and then go into it. But what you do is you close your eyes, you sit up erect with your spine straight, you know, in the common lotus flower position, they call it, or whatever. And just be comfortable with your spine erect. And, Maybe stretch your spine out and do a little bit of stretches. Just get relaxed. And what you're doing is you're breathing in your mouth and your nose with your eyes closed. And you're noticing and just aware of the feeling of air coming into your lungs. And you concentrate on the feeling of this and, and get in tune with that. And, of course, your brain just won't take it, and your brain will be like, oh, let's throw up a thought. And the observer records that thought and goes, and as it goes up there and it has that thought, the observer looks at it and goes, what is that thought really saying? That's what I did for me. And I've become a whole lot more mindful. I'm still learning other things. That's one of the most powerful things I've learned so far. It's like after 15 minutes, you'll have a thousand thoughts. And 300 of them will be of the same nature. And then you'll be like, this must be a problem with me. And like after, after 15 minutes of doing this, I was like, 
I'm a fucking crazy person. <laughs> like, you, after 15 minutes of focusing on your, being aware of your breath, uh, that feeling that, that's going on, but not thinking about taking each breath. I mean, you're just sitting there aware of this thing happening. Like, oh, this is what lungs do. But you're not giving it a name or anything. There's no thoughts coming in. And then all of a sudden your brain's like, no, you got to think something. You got to do something, blah, blah, this, and that, that. And then the, the observer observes that. And then you learn a little bit more about yourself in that 15 minutes. And I have witnessed some things under this with what I've been doing. And it's alarming. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of what I mean by for the whole of mankind. We're not any different than anybody else around the planet. My thought can be your thought, even in a different language. And, um, you know, if we're ever going to live in a good way, we're going to have to throw some nature. Like, nature has to back what we do. You know, and I'm not against any religions especially Christianity, Muslims, uh, any religion, anybody that is a, anybody that is a devout person within themselves and that carry themselves in a way that is favorable, you know, and it doesn't have to be in a nice way. Sometimes you got to be a dick in this world to be a good guy and that's just called tough love that's how it is but like sometimes certain truths are just real and some people don't want to face it and then you have to tell them the truth and sometimes you have to do that in a very dickhead kind of way but that is still the greater good in that situation so that's important but for my personal take this time, I just wanted to experiment with some freestyle out of my mouth. And I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned something. I know it's 32 minutes here, but hey, that's why they call it a podcast. Well, thank you. And we're going to go on to some music now. I've got some acoustic stuff for you. All right. Without further ado, here you go. All right, for today's live and local sessions, I've done something a little unordinary with a classical guitar. Um, I have six songs. One's a cover, the first song I play. And the rest of them are all originals that I've written on this type of guitar. <laughs> or variation of a tuning and stripping it down to its bare minimum and playing it. <laughs> so what I've done is I've taken a classical guitar which has nylon strings and I've taken away the A string so there's a top E string and then there's the four bottom strings and the A string is missing. I did this because I've always noticed when you strum a classical guitar it gets real muddy if you strum it, you know, 
with some intensity. So, to combat this a little bit, I have omitted the A string and the top E string and the high E string has been tuned down to D and this is a variation of dadgad and I always like the dadgad tuning because it's it's actually a suspended chord it's actually a, uh, a suspended D chord like suspended second or fourth and there's a lot of things you can do out of that tuning, and I wrote five songs here out of it. And, uh, I don't use the A string, so some of the sounds you hear is interesting, I guess. But uh, just tried to do something different. This is just me and an acoustic. So, without further ado, here you go. Enjoy. I'd throw all the guns and the 
the sea For they are a mistake of a past history Let me die in my footprints Before I go back underground Let me drink from the waters of the mountain streams flood
Well, in conclusion, I think I've covered enough on this podcast here. Uh, Felt a little short to me, but this is the first one since I've been back from all the emergencies that's came up in my life here lately. But you just heard uh, six songs there. The first one was uh, uh, Die in My Footsteps by Bob Dylan. Then the other five were the originals that I wrote. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed those. Uh, Put a little bit of time into the creation of those, and I hope there will be good songs in the future. But uh, hopefully you like my 30-minute talk on for all of mankind. (laughs) You know, I think that was important glad the way it turned out I put a little bit of time into that mostly but uh, hopefully you enjoyed it and 
every week I'll be putting out one, I promise. <laughs> Just uh, sometimes life throws you curveballs and there ain't no getting out of the way. So, had to tense some stuff. Again, I apologize for not putting out one in a while, but hopefully you enjoyed this and uh, hope for your continued listening ear. This is Sean Boyd, signing out.